So good to be with you guys here today. And um, I've kind of backed myself into a bit of a corner. Um, as a children's pastor, I have a lot of props that we use with the kids. And, you know, we're all children of God. And so um, no different um, for us today. So there's a little bit of audience participation to start off our time together. So please just warm up and get, get ready for that. But it's only a quick poll. So when you imagine you're um, about to eat a banana, what end are you going to open the banana from? Have a quick think. <laughs> All right. Let's call this the top, and let's call this the bottom. Hands up if you're going to open it from the top. Woo. All right, hands down. Hands up if you're opening it from the bottom. I see those hands. I see them. Let me tell you why you guys are correct. And the vast majority of us have something to learn today. You try and open it from this end, oh, it's really tough and it's, it's really broken. It's terrible. <laughs> you pinch this end, it peels down so nicely. This is what the monkeys do. You throw this bit away. So good. Good to have a snack up here. Oh my gosh, I didn't think about this. Okay, so we've learned something. If, that, if, if you remember nothing else, um, you, uh, hopefully, well, hopefully it's not true, but um, the right way is from the bottom. And there was a little bit of disunity in there. Definitely overwhelming of you were wrong, but um, <laughs> I'm not even going to do a poll for this one. The ideal ripeness, I'm just going to tell you, we're talking a five or a six. Anything further than that, throw it away. You can debate that with me afterwards, um, but don't you dare give me a seven or an eight. And so I should disclaim um, the start of this with um, my banana opinions are my own. Um, they do not represent um, the street, or um, I've looked in the Bible as well, and there's not a lot of mention of bananas, so I'm not sure if God has an opinion on the right way to, to open them. But thankfully, we have the Bible, and God has made some things very clear to us today. And so we are going to uh, tuck in um, and we're, gonna, we're in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 20. So if you have your Bible, um, go ahead and grab it or perhaps turn it on. And we're going we're, we're gonna to finish up and, and this whole series has been looking at how uh, Jesus calls us as his followers to look different, to look uncommon, to stand out from the world that we live in. And our topic for this morning is uncommon unity. And so this banana chat was hopefully a bit of a, a warm-up to illustrate how, how easy it is to be divided. And, and Jesus is calling us to, um, to unite together. And, and thankfully, we don't have to agree on, on, on bananas, but, you know, there are some things that we do need to agree on, and, it's, and it's, so, it's so easy to get discouraged when we look around the world today. You, if you turn on the news or you look at social media and you scroll through it, we see so much disunity and division. And, and so we're going to learn, and we're going to see some things that Jesus talks around, uh, unity for us. So here we go. We're in chapter 17, verse 20. Follow along. This is Jesus praying, and he says this. 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am are in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Hey, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you pray for us. And we thank you that there's so much that we can learn today uh, from your word about how we are to live and how we are to navigate the, the troubles of life. So, Lord, I pray you'd speak to us so clearly. And would you, um, by your Holy Spirit, challenge us as we, as we go out from here today. So we give you this time and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. So we're going to focus in on these first four verses. And Jesus had been praying for his 11 disciples, and now he turns his attention to all believers who will ever believe in him throughout uh, all time. So if you're a Christian here today, the good news is that you are included in this prayer. Jesus prayed for you some 2,000 years ago, and he continues to pray for you today. Jesus is interceding on our behalf to God the Father, and we get to listen in. We get to listen to what Jesus prays for us. That's such a privilege. And he prays that all believers would be one, unified. Not simply a little bit, but that our unity should look like the unity between the Father and the Son who have coexisted eternally. We don't have time to get, to get into <laughs> the Trinity, but God and God the Father and God the Son have been around forever, and they have been totally unified. And that's what Jesus wants for us as Christians, as believers, as the church. And that's a really big call. Is that something we can even, is that something we can pursue? Is that even possible? Well, Let's remember that Jesus has already prayed for unity back in verse 11 when he was praying for his disciples. He prayed that the disciples would be one as the Father and Son are one. And can I suggest that the fact that you're here today in church, that we're singing about Jesus, we're learning about Jesus, we're reading his words, suggests that that prayer was answered. God answered that prayer because we still have the church going. The, the, the disciples, even though they were so disunified when Jesus was around, you know, they, were, they were debating, you know, who's the best? And, uh, you know, uh, we should do things my way. And if that had continued after Jesus had left, I doubt we would still be here. But God answered that prayer. And I believe he will answer this prayer as well for us. You know, I, I googled how many Christians are there today, and so 
Google reckons somewhere between 900 million to 2.4 billion, depending on how you define that word. And that, to me, is so, so encouraging. We see unity in the disciples making the word go out throughout the world. And so I think we should be confident that God is going to continue to bring about oneness or unity in the church today. We have the living God in us, empowering us to the spiritual unity between believers. And I don't think it's possible in our own strength, but we see our God making this possible. But what kind of unity are we talking about? It's not uniformity. We don't all have to look the same, which is really good because we, we don't. <laughs> and we don't all have to agree on everything either. That's not what he's talking about here. In fact, our diversity is a strength. There is a, a strength in diversity. So what is unity? Well, I, I, I looked it up, and uh, the definition I got was a state of being united, which um, was not very helpful. Um, and so thankfully, the definition for united is more helpful. And when we're united, we are joined together for a common purpose, a common purpose. It's important to note that unity in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It's neutral. It's what we are united around or in or for that makes it good. And so what is this common purpose? We see in verse 3, Jesus says this, so that the world will know that you, that's the Father, sent me, Jesus, and have loved them even as you have loved me. You might be familiar with John 3, 16, but verse 17 is just as powerful. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So there's this, the Father is sending the Son to save the world. That's the purpose. And so our unity is to make Jesus Christ known to the world. That's what we're all about. So what you believe about Jesus Christ has massive eternal implications. You were often hearing uh, from the stage what it means to be saved because this is the most important decision you can make. It's the message that has been entrusted to us to share with those who don't know Jesus. We are to unite around sharing this news to make Jesus known to the world. So do you, are you familiar with what that might look like, what sharing the good news involves? Well, I'll break it down, and uh, you might want to listen back, or you can just Google good news. How do I share the good news? I think this is something that we can practice together. We can practice um, with other Christians and so that when there's an opportunity to share with those who don't know Jesus, that we're ready. So here we go. Number one, God loves you. He loves you more than you will ever know and he wants you to experience uh, his peace and eternal life with him. But we choose to disobey God and we live life our own way and this results in being separate from him. The Bible calls this sin. But Jesus Christ, God the Son, died on the cross and rose from the grave. 
He paid the penalty for our sin and he bridges the gap between the Father and the Son, between the Father and us. And the only thing that you have to do to inherit this eternal life is to put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and invite him into your life. That's it. That's good news. We don't have to earn it. We can never work for it. We don't deserve it. But God loved us so much that he made a way and he sent his son. And if you've never heard that before, if you're in here today and you, you don't call yourself a Christian, you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. And we'd love to talk with you after. If you, if you want to find out more about what it means to follow Jesus, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Any one of us up the front here would love to talk with you. But back to unity. We're united in God and what it means to have a relationship with him. But there are groups out there that have a different message. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's clear that there is only one way. And so I've got a quick graphic, I think, um, that I found online. And it's an illustration of that there are different levels of belief. Um, and as a church, there are things that you must hold that are absolute to, to be a Christian. And there are things, beliefs as you go further out that are, that are less important. And so one of the things on the outer might be whether we should have drums in church. Well, as a drummer myself, I'm a firm yes on, on that one. More drums, the better. Um, but there are things that we have to hold to. Things like Jesus living a perfect, sinless life. Or the belief that Jesus rose from the dead and that Jesus was crucified to pay the penalty for our sin. These are things we must hold to. We must be united around them. Are you reading the Bible? Are you studying it? Are you aware of what we must hold to? If we don't know what ground... It's hard to know where to stand your ground if we're not sure what ground to stand on. And so if we think about groups that are united towards something negative, there are groups of people who will claim to be Christian and they are not. They don't hold these core beliefs. And we should expect this. In the book of Matthew 7, 15, it says this, Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. You may remember in 2019, we became aware as a church of a group called Shinjiongi, uh, or SCJ, uh, operating in our community. And they're a, a cult that originated in South Korea, and um, they believe that Lee Man-hee, their founder, is the second coming of Jesus, and that he is the only one who can interpret the true meaning of the Bible. They use tactics of deception and manipulation, and eventually telling people that it's all right to lie and and eventually cut people off from their friends and their family. They often invite people to Bible studies, and then uh, their teaching ramps up, but it can be easy to get mixed up without realizing. And so this is just sort of a family warning, I guess. Um, they, they could still be operating, um, and so we need to unite and, and look after one another and, and be praying for one another. If... if you've been invited to a Bible study and you're hearing some weird things or some red flags uh, pop up, 
feel free to email us, office at thestreet.org.nz, and we can sort of verify if, if that group is known to us and they were just having an off night or um, <laughs> who knows, they were tired or, or, or what. Um, or, or, or maybe there, there are some people to, to look out for. So it's better to be safe than sorry. So Shinjongi is just one example of a group that sets itself in opposition to what God says is true. And I did, a, I did a bit of Googling as well, and there's a, a New Zealand website dedicated to documenting cults. And their homepage says that the list has now expanded that we had to separate, every, uh, separate out every letter of the alphabet. And so I looked on the letter A, and there were 40 groups that were labelled as dangerous or to be caution, um, have caution around. And that's just A. There's 25 other letters to, to watch out for as well. It's so important that we are unified as a group and that we're involved in the lives of other Christians for the sake of each other. The lion goes after the deer who separates from the pack. And people in cults don't often go around chanting and wearing robes. And, and so it, it can be easier than we might realise to get caught up. So great ways to guard against this are to attend a life group, to a, be part of a serve team where people know you and, and you know other people. People can see if you're wandering away or you believe in something a bit, bit funky and, and, and they can check up on you. We can't do unity on our own. And so let's get back to the text now. We've thought around unity and what it means, what we are to believe, our message and our good news. Let's see what Jesus says in verse 24. He says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Jesus now turns his attention to eternal destiny, namely his followers being with him in heaven. The disciples have seen him in a way where he voluntarily accepted humiliation. He made himself the lowest of the low, and, and we see this when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. This was something reserved for the servants, just not, the, not God. But he's highlighting what it means to, um, to what extent he's willing to, to go for the sake of his, his disciples, the, his, the people that he loves so much. Jesus now wants his followers to see him in the fullness of his glory. John 14.3 says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. He's asking the Father to make good on this promise, that we get to join him in heaven when our time up on earth is done. And you know, there are times when I forget that, that I forget that what I have in Christ means I can live differently. I get to spend eternity with God in heaven. I am secure in that, and there's nothing that can take that away. If you were here a few weeks ago, you would have heard uh, James teach us that our salvation is not ours to lose, but it's God's to protect. And so that should change the way that we live. It means that I recognize that God is the one who sustains me. God is the one who provides for me. I don't need to value what the world values. I don't need to hoard up riches. And I don't need to spend all my time at work. I don't need to make my life all about me. I can live the way that God calls me 
to live. I am freed up to hold the things of this world lightly. So we've seen examples of unity for good and unity for bad. I was thinking, can you be unified against something around something neutral? What might that look like? And I stumbled across the Cloud Appreciation Society. Now, this is a, a group, this is a real community that you could be a part of. You can join this. You can sign up to be a member. It'll only cost you $33.04 uh, US um, every year. And there is a $6.74 sign-up fee, which is about $55 um, to join this Cloud Appreciation Society. So you might be thinking, why would I pay money for this? Well, here's what you get. This is what their website says. You get access to their Cloud A Day email service. You get a personalized membership certificate. You get 10% off all their products in their store. I don't know what products they might sell. Um, and you get their newsletter, among other discounts. Now, it's not bad to appreciate clouds. Um, God creates uh, clouds, and they are something to marvel at. They are a real beauty. But gosh, I started to read through this website, and um, I started to tear up um, because I had such a profound sense of, man, what a waste. What a waste of time and money and resources would it be to, to pay for this cloud appreciation membership? And I don't know about you, but I have put my time and my money and my efforts into things as wasteful as that. I've forgotten that I must, everything that I have is from God and for God, and I'm just a steward of it. I'm just a steward of the time. 16 waking hours a day, 365 days a year, maybe 80 years of life. And we've been called to make a difference in this world, a world out there that is hurting. And we can make our lives all about us, what we want, however we want it. So I want to remind us today that when we're secure in our identity, where we know where we're going, we, we don't have to operate like the world operates, and we can live differently for the sake of the mission God has called us to. All right, let's get back to the text now. We'll finish off. Verse 25 says this. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Jesus wraps up this prayer with a status report. He's summarizing this whole prayer found in this chapter. He's done petitioning God, and, and now he promises to continue to make the Father known so that the world would have his love in us. Jesus finishes where he starts in the beginning of the series. Remember, we had three weeks looking at uncommon love. And it seems that love is the key to unity. It's an extravagant love. You know, back in verse 23, it says that the world would know you and have sent me and that you have loved them as, even as you have loved me. You see that God the Father loves you just as much as he loves the Son. I don't know. I've been trying to wrap my head around what that means, to be loved as much as Jesus is loved by the Father. 
That is huge and should bring about such a confidence, a security, and a peace, knowing that the God of the universe, who can speak life into being, loves us, looks out for us, and has our interests at heart. Colossians 3, verse 12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We're bound together in love. It's a love we have to work at. It's a love that we have to choose, and that when we have our differences, we have to we have to remember that we are on the same team and God calls us to unite and God empowers us to unite in that. And it's all for the sake of the world that does not know Jesus. We saw at the start of the series that it's by our love that the world will know that we are his disciples. It's not by our love that we will be seen as a disciple. It's not, Jerem, I see your love and I know that you're a disciple. It's by our love that we will be seen as disciples. Unity starts with you and I. It's us together. It's a group thing. If we try and do it on our own, we've missed the point. So I'd like to invite the band up as we come into close and, and have a look at what this might mean for us today. In 2021, the chapters in the lead up to this prayer feel like the key ingredients needed to bring about this unity and this love in the church. Jesus is praying for believers, for the sake of unbelievers, for the sake of people, our, our friends and family, our loved ones that don't yet know him. Our aim is evangelism, it's sharing the good news, sharing the gospel, you know, imagine a church, imagine if we were a church full of uncommon people, empowered by an incredible God, bound together by love and uncommon unity. Man, that's going to change a city. And I believe that that all ends in this because we are to be God's gift to a divided world. Us as a united church are God's gift. But we have to be given. <laughs> we have to be out in the world. We can't spend all our time um, amongst only Christians. The church is called to be different as we're indwelt by a living God. If our faith is all about ourselves, I think we've missed the point. And that's what I'm telling myself today because I can easily make it all about myself. I want to challenge each of us here today to consider what it means for us to take a step towards unity and how, and for how each of us can help our fellow brothers and sisters take a step towards unity. Because that's the beauty of us being a collective. We get to help each other. When, when one of us is weak, we can come alongside and be picked up by, by someone else who's, who's in, a, in, a, in a stronger place. You know, my uh, rugby coach used to say that a, 
team of champions will be beaten by a champion team every day of the week. And when we unite together, we are a champion team going out there to make a difference in the world. So I want to ask, if you don't feel particularly unified here today, why is that? You're here, which is a great start, but if only 90 minutes a week is the the only way you engage uh, with other believers, then I think we're missing out. I think complete unity is going to be really tough. And so the first step might be to join a life group, to join a serve team, to get involved and develop real relationships with other Christians. Do you know what we're all about here as a church? Do you know our mission and our vision? We're all about helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ. That's what we unify around. Our vision is to see 1% of Wellington region baptized in five years. That's 4,500 people. That's why we do this every week, to reach the world. These things unite us. And perhaps you're doing these things and you're wondering, wondering what it might mean for you to grow in unity. And, and the beauty of this is that you're already involved with other people, and so you can learn what this means together. And so I encourage you in your life groups this week, or maybe after, after the service today, is to ask each other, what are you going to do to take a step forward in unity in the mission? I've been wondering this for myself, and I don't want to give you an exhaustive list, but what I think for my life group is I, wanna, I want us to hold each other accountable. I want us to, to not have this sort of, I don't, I don't really want you to ask me about how I'm going, so I won't ask you about it, this sort of unspoken pact. But I want to discover what it means to be super intentional, to be praying for people in my life that don't know Jesus, to be looking for ways to practically care, and then for, to, be, to be praying for those opportunities to share my testimony and my story and, and God's story as well. Prayer, care, share. That might be a great starting point for you. I want to leave you with a quick picture, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step down. <laughs> And I went camping with some some good friends of mine at the start of this year. I flew to Auckland, and we were going camping uh, about an hour south of Cape Reinga. And we loaded up the car. We got everything um, sort of jammed in. It was very tight because we were doing we weren't doing real camping. We were doing camping in style. And so we had the the, the barbecue. We had the the board games, more than we could ever play, and, and the, the gas cooker and, and everything, it, things we didn't need. It was a tight squeeze. Michael, do we have a picture somewhere there? So this is, <laughs> this is, this is not our car, but this is what it felt like. Um, and and there, was, there was a whole lot of preparing. There was a whole lot of um, getting everything we needed to, for where we were going. And... And there are times where I wonder in my own life that in my own quiet times, I'm coming to church, I'm attending life group, I'm serving, I'm going to events, I'm filling up and I'm filling up, I'm preparing and I'm loading up. And then it's like I don't even leave the driveway. The whole point of preparing is to go on this awesome adventure, to go camping, uh, which for, for me earlier this year, but God is calling us to this awesome adventure out of those doors. And church is a a time we get to fill up and we get to be ministered to so that we can then minister to other people to be a united church for the sake of a divided world. So I leave us with that challenge of what does it mean for you to be bold and be courageous and to take a step forward in unity 
so that we can be uncommon people for a world that desperately needs to hear that change and love of Christ. Hey, can we stand? Um, I'll pray to, um, and then hand back to the band, to the team. Lord God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you um, never leave us. You have given us everything that we need to fulfill the call you have on our lives. So I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you be speaking so powerfully to us? Would you nudge us and would you help us be a community that is unified around you and your message and the good news that we have? We thank you for our salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just be so ministered to today. Would you fill us up so that we can then go and make a difference as we leave from here? Lord, we thank you and we love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.